I have returned. Now, I know it's been a minute since we've reconvened here on the Reagan Griffin Jr. Show. And you'd think that after this long of a time, you know, after a stressful semester, after finals, finally having the opportunity to sit back down in front of this microphone and talk about sports, you'd think I'd be a little bit more excited, right? No, sir. You see, we are coming back together here on the RG2 show under some really sucky circumstances, man. There's no other way to put it. Really, really sucky circumstances. I'm not going to beat around the bush here. I'm not going to get into anything else today other than what's happening in Philadelphia with my favorite team the Philadelphia Eagles let's go ahead and get it bopping man it is a sad 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 day in Philadelphia it's a sad day for Eagles fans it's a sad day for the future of the franchise sad day for me (laughs) the only person who I'll be having a good day is Carson Wentz. And I know that seems crazy to say, right? But I say that because for Carson Wentz, this likely signals the beginning of the end of what's been, at this point, you can't call it anything other than just an ugly, ugly tenure with the Philadelphia Eagles. At the time of this recording, it's Tuesday, December 8th. Doug Peterson has officially announced today that rookie Jalen Hurts, he's going to be starting on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Jalen came in in the second half of last week's game, played okay. A lot of people were hyping up for whatever reason. Like, he had some decent throws. He had some ugly throws. He threw an interception. Um, But all of it came in garbage time. Nothing was overly spectacular that I saw from Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts isn't the point of this. what, what I'm about to talk about. I digress. So for the past few weeks, this decision has seemed all but inevitable, right? With Carson Wentz playing pretty much the worst football of his career. In fact, in hindsight, I almost wish that Doug Peterson would have made this call earlier because he's been throwing Wentz to the wolves, man. Week after week after week, just throwing him into the fire, tearing his confidence asunder with each sack, every interception. It's just gotten uglier and uglier and uglier for Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. Week after week. And when I say the Wolves, I don't just mean opposing defenses, right? When I say Doug Peterson threw Carson Wentz to the Wolves, I'm not just saying he threw Carson Wentz out there with a bad offensive line, with receivers that can't create separation, bad play calling. I'm not saying he just threw him onto the field against the Wolves. See, the Wolves take many different forms. And some of these Wolves, what we call the media, right? The national and local media who have developed this strange, really malicious vendetta against Carson Wentz. Over the years, whether it was caping for the Eagles to keep Nick Foles after Super Bowl 52, which we in hindsight now know, right? That would have been stupid. That would have been asinine if they would have kept Nick Foles, who went to Chicago and lost the starting job to Mitchell Trubisky. Obviously, that was a terrible take. That's an awful opinion to have, as I said when it was happening. Of course you keep Carson Wentz. Nick Foles strung together the best three games of his career. Congratulations, you get a statue that doesn't make you a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. 
the national media, you know, they love to provide a platform, right, for Orlando Scandrick a few years back. Y'all remember this. Orlando Scandrick goes on Fox Sports skipping Shannon, talking all this BS about how Carson Wentz isn't respected in the locker room and Carson Wentz is a bad leader, this, that, and the other. Come to find out all of that is unfounded. Come to find out Orlando Scandrick's trying to create a platform for himself because the dude wants to do sports media. What better way to make a name for yourself than bashing the team you just came from? Do was salty because he got cut. Point blank, period. Oh, and of course, the national media loves to perpetuate this, this narrative, right, that Carson Wentz is injury prone. When all they've read is, okay, ACL here, back here, concussion here. He's got to be injury prone, right? No context. Just looking at the surface level stuff, no understanding of the fact that he sat out for the back because it was precautionary, not because he was injured to the point where he couldn't play, but because the Eagles were protecting their investment and saying, let's not throw him out there in this season that really is not going to amount to much in the long term, uh, in our long term aspirations. But no, let's label this guy as injury prone. Let's always nitpick and try to find a way to paint these narratives about Carson Wentz. For whatever reason, that's what they love to do. Could it have something to do with the fact that a lot of these national media people are, are Giants fans, are Cowboys fans? Perhaps. That's not, my, that's not my role to say. I'm just telling you what it is. There's been some unfair narratives perpetuated about Carson Wentz at every single turn in his career. This isn't me trying to attempt to, you know, conspiracy theorize some justification from Carson Wentz's subpar play. I know better than most. Better than most. Mind you, I watch a lot more Eagles football than most people on this planet. I won't say all people. There's some diehard fans out there that are in tune with every single minute of every single game. I won't say that I'm that far, especially not nowadays when the product is so ugly. But I'm more in tune with this Philadelphia Eagles football team and with the play of Carson Wentz than I would estimate 99% of the people on this earth. I'm telling you what I know. What I'm trying to highlight here is that there are reasons why Carson Wentz has been so egregiously awful this season. There are reasons why. Cause and effect. It's a simple concept. Things happen, and there's reasons why they happen. Any Joe Schmo with a microphone and a platform can blabber on about how bad Carson Wentz has been, how much he sucks, till the cows come home, right? But a true analyst of football is going to tell you why that is the case. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you why Carson Wentz has been this bad. And I'm going to tell you why I'm so pissed off at the entire situation. Unfortunately, people who like to tell you why, those don't tend to be the voices that get uplifted enough in sports media. Of course, this is such a copycat industry that, you know, when the national media does something that tends to disseminate to the local media. So now you have a bunch of people doing the same black and white cookie cutter stuff, just saying the same Sound bites week in and week out. Carson Wentz sucks. Carson Wentz is terrible. Bench Carson Wentz. None of it's giving me why. Nobody's really digging into the nitty gritty of what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. So let me tell you what's going on. 
Because all of this has been happening, and because the local and national media has been harping on the Eagles, and specifically Carson Wentz so much, you have the entire Philadelphia, the entire city, right, essentially claiming for Doug Peterson to do something that he clearly never wanted to do. Carson, I mean, Doug Peterson never really wanted to bench Carson Wentz. That's why it's taken this long. But because people are banging on his door, because Jeffrey Lurie is not showing up to games anymore, right? Because all of this is happening and because these narratives are being perpetuated in the media, so much attention is drawn to it that it's essentially forced Doug Peterson's hand. Now Carson Wentz has to be benched. There's no other option. He had to bench his franchise quarterback. Speaking of Doug Peterson, though, you do not get you do not get to escape my wrath right now, man. Nah, 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 nah. You bring that ass here, you and Howie Roseman. Because I'll tell you what, I can sit up here all day long and talk about the media and rah, rah on, right? We've seen our president do that for the past four years. I can rah, rah about the media all day long, but as much as the media has been harping on Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles, the media were not the people who set the dude up to fail. Skip Bayless didn't put the roster together, right? Max Kellerman's, he's not hes not out there calling plays. That's Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. That's the members of the Eagles organization. That's on their heads. Howie Roseman. Since drafting Carson Wentz in 2016, you've made 35 draft picks. He drafted... Carson Wentz with the first or the second pick in 2016. Since that draft pick, you have made 35 draft picks. 20 of those guys are still on the roster. Nine of those 20 guys start. 10 if you include Jalen Hurts now, which I suppose, I guess we should, right? Jalen Hurts is the starter. (laughs) But those numbers on the surface, they don't sound that bad. But when you dig into it, You inflex a little bit of context, and you ask the question, how many guys have you drafted, can we say, contribute to winning football? Now it gets real ugly. By my estimation, it's four. Four out of 35 draft picks since selecting Carson Wentz are actually contributing to the Philadelphia Eagles winning football game right now. And I'll tell you what, the four isn't even that great. Dallas Goddard. Miles Sanders, Derek Barnett, Jalen Mills. Those are the only four guys that I say contribute to the Eagles winning football games. Mind you, I'm not asking who's all pro. I'm not asking you who's Pro Bowl caliber. I'm not even asking who's a high-level quality starter. I'm saying who can you put on the field and feel confident that they're going to help you win? Four people. Four players out of 35 picks help you win football games over the past four drafts. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And look, I understand that drafting players is not a one-man job. I get it. I understand that Howie Roseman's forte is his ability to manipulate cap space and, and you know create salary cap room where there isn't. I get all of that. But damn it, if you're not good at drafting players, quit trying to beat the same dead horse 
and trying to do a job that you're clearly not apt to do. That's not what you do. It's not what you're good at. Relinquish the role and find somebody else who will. I'm not saying you got to give up being general manager. But if that's an aspect of the job that you're not good at, the best leaders go out and they find other people who are capable of doing that. That's what you should do if you're Howie Roseman because you've proven time and again that you cannot draft. You're repeating the same thing over and over. That's the definition of insanity. Because I'll tell you this, quite literally, you cannot afford to swing and miss year in and year out with these draft picks, especially now that you've given Carson Wentz all this money. You, you say that he's a $100 million quarterback. You give him $30-plus million a year. Now what you've done is you've tied that much of the salary cap to one guy, so you need cheap talent. Where do you get cheap talent? The NFL freaking draft. That's how winning is done in the NFL. You tie a lot of money to a couple of guys, and you fill out key spots on the roster with young, cheap talent from the draft. That's the recipe. And clearly, the young talent has proven not to be fruitful for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the most frustrating part for me, man, the most frustrating part when it comes to examining the role of Howie Roseman, you've had chances, dude. It's not like the draft just got terrible. It's not like all the players coming out of college just all of a sudden became scrubs. You've had opportunities that have come up and you've squandered them time and again. You've had opportunities to go get impact players and yet we end up with Jalen Rager when you could have had Justin Jefferson. And I know I said stuff about Justin Jefferson. I wasn't confident that he would be uh, a number one receiver. Never did I say that I think he wouldn't be good, but I wasn't sure if he was apt to be a number one receiver in the NFL. Clearly, I was wrong about that. That's the offensive rookie of the year. But you never heard me say Justin Jefferson is not better than Jalen Rager. What you heard me say is the Eagles damn well better not draft Jalen Rager because they're going to be disappointed. I said that multiple times. Anyone with eyes for the game could have told you that. How many times on the film this year did that Jalen Rager world-class speed show up? The only time I saw it, there might have been one or two deep bombs and then the punt return last week. But I'll tell you what, I would much rather have Justin Jefferson you wasted your second round pick on Jalen Hurts when your quarterback needed help. Your franchise $30 million quarterback needed help and you go get a quarterback with your second round pick. Laying the foundation for this QB controversy, this unnecessary QB controversy, this facade of a QB controversy that we see today. You created that situation. You did that when you could have been getting your guy some help. Two years ago, you need a receiver. You have names on the draft board. Hmm, let's see. 
Got DK Metcalf right here. Nah, I'll go with JJ Ortega Whiteside. What? You're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. DK Metcalf is 6'4, 230 pounds, running a 4'3, 40. But oh golly, I don't know if he's good enough at running routes. I don't know. Don't overthink it. What are we doing? JJ Ortega Whiteside is a backup. He barely plays now. He hasn't the, the, the most the most notable thing that JJ Ortega Whiteside has done for the Philadelphia Eagles is be drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. There's nothing else that JJ Ortega Whiteside. And mind you, I hope, I hope for the absolute best for this guy. I do. I want him to succeed. He's in an Eagles jersey. I'm an Eagles fan. I want these guys to be good. But it frustrates me when time and again your decision making is proven to be flawed if you're Howie Roseman. It's immensely frustrating. And then you try to patch things up by, you know, getting a John Hightower here and a Quez Watkins there. Maybe sign Marquise Goodwin over. You're like, no. You can't just try to get all of these freaking what what do you call the thing where they slap the tape on a on a on a spilling water or whatever? Flex seal. You can't flex seal your way out of this. Howie, you can't flex seal a bunch of late round receivers and think you're gonna create a, a, a repertoire of weapons for Carson Wentz to go out there and work with. That's not how this works. You need impactful players at impactful positions. I don't care how much money you've paid Carson Wentz. He's not Superman. Rare is the NFL quarterback who can go out there with just about anybody and succeed. We're talking about... Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about Russell Wilson, we're talking about Tom Brady of old. I'm not even sure I can put Patrick Mahomes in that conversation because we haven't seen it. That's besides the point. I digress. But point being, how many guys in the NFL, in NFL history even, can we say, oh, that's a guy I can throw out there with a bunch of late-round receivers who aren't really that good and feel confident that he's going to win games? You can't expect that from Carson Wentz. There's like a rare 2-3% of guys that you can expect that from. Especially with the play calling the way that it is. Speaking of the play calling, Doug Peterson, I'm on your head. Doug Peterson, I'm on your head. And I hate to do it because I truly believe that you are one of the most exceptional head coaches and offensive minds that this game has to offer. I do. But the problem is you only become that when the chips are down and you have nothing to lose. Let's go back in time. That Super Bowl season, week 14 or 15, I forget which one it was, Carson Wentz goes down with his ACL. The Eagles floundered their way to the end of the season, barely scrapping out victories against the Giants, against the Raiders. Everyone's counting them out. The first time in NFL history that the number one seed at home is the underdog, right? They were supposed to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what Vegas would have told you. Or they were supposed to lose to the Atlanta Falcons, excuse me. But Doug Peterson, he enters what I like to call 
I, I've dubbed this name for Doug Peterson's, uh, you know, when he becomes his best, he enters what I call fuck it mode. Fuck it mode. That's basically when Doug Peterson has nothing else to lose, there's no expectations, and he creates magic out of thin air. It's really a sight to behold. He enters this mode, and he comes out with this RPO offense. He's aggressive in his play calling. Nick Foles strings together the three best games of his life. Next thing you know, the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Doug Peterson's making calls like, a flea flicker in the NFC Championship to Torrey Smith. He's making calls like the Philly Special. You all know what it is. On, on the Super Bowl on fourth down. He's making calls like that. Next thing you know, the Eagles are Super Bowl champs. Next season. Same story. Different ending. Slightly different ending. But essentially the same story. The Eagles sit Wentz for precautionary reasons. He had the back thing going on. Nick Foles re-enters the fold, and Doug Peterson re-enters fuck it mode. And he adapts his offense to what he has again, and what do you know? The guy ends up one Alshon Jeffrey drop away from a second consecutive NFC Championship berth. Because I wholeheartedly believe had Alshon Jeffrey caught that football and had it not been intercepted, intercepted, the Eagles would have won that game. They were marching down the Saints' throat. There was nothing the Saints were doing about it. But I digress. Last year, the injury bug hits this team in the worst kind of way. The worst kind of way. By week 15, Carson Wentz is surrounded on offense by guys like Boston Scott, Greg Ward Jr., Deontay Burnett, guys that the casual fan I'm sure has no clue who they are. Lo and behold, you know what time it is. Doug Peterson in fuck it mode. He adapts his offense to maximize what he has. He turns to a quicker passing game. He utilizes his art running backs in the, in, as pass catchers. He's trying to minimize the effect of the ailing offensive line. He does all of the things he needs to do to counteract his team's weaknesses and highlight their strengths. It's a beautiful thing. Boom. Eagles make the playoffs 9-7 and team with 6-10 and talent because of Doug Peterson. That's everything that is beautiful about what he's capable of. We talk about Carson Wentz as a guy that we thought could create something out of nothing. I've seen Doug Peterson create something out of nothing time and again. But the ugly part about it and the part that pisses me off is that he only does it when there's zero expectations. When people have hung their hats on the Eagles, when people are ready to give up on the season, that's when it's time for Doug Peterson to turn things up. Matter of fact, I'm willing to bet that we see some semblance of that throughout the rest of this Eagles season. Because now's about the time where Doug Peterson tends to pull, go into his, his bag of tricks. He tends to hop in the Duffy a little bit. And come out with something new, something fresh, something that's going to work. That's what he does. But for whatever reason, for God knows why, he never does it when the target is on his back. 
when he becomes the hunted instead of the hunter, he becomes Joe Schmo. This isn't Doug Peterson. He's not in it mode. This is just regular play calling, bland, boring. It's not, it's not inspiring at all. And I don't get how in certain spots you as a coach can be so good, great, exceptional in terms of maximizing on your team's talents and circumventing their weaknesses. But when your team is a full go and healthy and they have the expectations, you're nowhere to be found. I don't get it. I do not get it. It makes for some exciting football when you don't expect it. But it makes for extremely frustrating football when you do. And never does it make for consistent quality football. I'll tell you that. After watching this team for this long, for watching Doug Peterson for this long, it never makes for consistency. Especially not when you're expecting it. All of this to say, I don't think Doug Peterson makes it a point to maximize on Carson Wentz's strengths and circumvent his weaknesses. I would argue that it's pretty obvious that he doesn't, given that week in and week out, all we see is Carson Wentz's weaknesses being highlighted. It's like there's no effort whatsoever on Doug Peterson's part to alleviate him in some regard. It's like he has this idea of what he wants his playbook to be with Carson Wentz and doesn't adapt it to Carson Wentz's abilities at all. At all. And I know I just talked about how you know, there's injuries and there's been a lack of, of talent collection on the part of Howie Roseman. And that definitely factors into what Doug's doing as well. But we've seen it in the past that Doug can do a lot with a little. He's proven it. So why not? For an in-depth examination of what I'm talking about, I recommend Brett Coleman's film breakdown on YouTube. He does a really good job of breaking down why... Kind of those whys that I was talking about, right? Why is Carson Wentz not playing well? He does a really good job of breaking it down. But essentially it equates to putting Wentz in a situation where he feels like he has to create something from nothing and play hero ball, right? And Carson Wentz is not good at playing hero ball, particularly when he has subpar talent around him. You're going to get some ugly football from Carson Wentz if he feels like he has to play. You're going to get Jameis Winston-esque. I mean, I was talking about this with Jameis Winston last year. Except Jameis Winston had talent around him. But not all quarterbacks are equipped to play hero ball, and clearly Carson Wentz isn't wanting them, one of them. So, Doug Peterson, why do you keep thrusting him into situations in which he has to try to play hero ball? It does not make sense I truly I don't get it I I just cannot wrap my head around what's happening right now now before I close I I do want to offer this and it, and it pains me really that I have to do it but if I'm going to be fair and objective in my analysis of the Philadelphia Eagles it's got to be done Carson Wentz, <laughs> this is on you too, dog. This is this is not you're not in the clear here. 
I know I've talked a lot about Howie Roseman in the roster construction. I know I've talked about Doug Peterson in the play calling. But that doesn't absolve you of some of the stuff that you've been doing this season. You have ownership in this as well. You're throwing, you're throwing mechanics a shot. You're inaccurate as you've ever been. Decision-making's garbage. Pocket awareness non-existent. This is not the same dude whose game I fell in love with, man. When I tell y'all I was in love with, am in love with, Carson Wentz's game, I mean, I got to take y'all back, man. 2017, August 2017, I break my femur bone. Junior year football, I was playing JV, right? But I had hopes of working my way up to varsity. At this point in time, I'm still thinking maybe I can go play college ball somewhere, right? But all of that gets shot in my mind. When I go out, third play of the year, I break my femur bone, right? I'm as low as I've ever been. I'm facing my athletic mortality in the face. Nothing to do, nothing to take my mind off of, you know, the, the, the very dark thoughts that I'm having, right? But in 2017, I'm sitting on the couch, <laughs> incapacitated, immobilized, and I'm watching my Eagles, and I just become infatuated with the play of Carson Wentz. Week in and week out. I'll never forget week one. Washington. Scrambles around. Throws a touchdown to, to Nelson Aguilar. Week two. Kansas City. <laughs> Lucky ass pass. Bounces off the safety's arms. Into uh, Zach Ertz's hands. Week three. He goes off for some crazy scrambles against the Giants. Puts the team in a position to kick that 63-yard game winner. I remember like it was yesterday, dog. I remember like it was yesterday. All the plays from that season to the very last one after he torn his ACL against the Rams. And he throws on a torn ACL that last touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey to break the Philadelphia Eagles record for passing touchdowns thrown in the season. I remember all of it. I had nothing else to do. My leg was broken. I had nothing else to do but sit there and watch Carson Wentz play like an MVP. That's why I'm so sold on it, man. That's when I say people don't get it. They really do not get it. I know what I saw with my own two eyes for the entirety of that season. I know what I saw. That was no fluke. That was no accident. I watched every minute, every second. Dudes don't do what Carson Wentz was doing that year. That's why it's so frustrating to look at what he is now. And that's how I know there's no way that a quarterback was that good and then becomes this bad without extenuating circumstances that have contributed to it. So when I say all these things about Carson Wentz and, and, and the mistakes that he has in this, mind you, I'm not going to harp on these things because those things are being harped on by everybody else. 
We know that the throwing mechanics are trash. We know that the decision making has been terrible. We know that he gets happy feet in the pocket. I get all of that. I see all of that. My question is, why? Because he wasn't that dude three years ago. He wasn't that dude two years ago. He wasn't that dude one year ago. You're crazy to think that he just became this out of nowhere. What do we think, that that, that there was a, a Space Jam sequel with football? Because that's what it looks like for Carson Wentz. That's why I know there are other things contributing to his play right now other than Carson Wentz. This is a confluence of factors that have contributed to what we see Carson Wentz as today. It's not just on him. That's what I'm trying to highlight to y'all. There are whys, cause, and effect. There are whys, man. I'm telling you, you can't just make Carson Wentz the scapegoat for all the Eagles' problems. It runs so much deeper than that. It's so much more nuanced. It's not black and white. We have to be better. The dude's confidence is shot right now. It's shot. And there are reasons why it is like that. The number one problem with the Philadelphia Eagles right now is that there is zero willingness to have collective accountability. I'll say that again. There is zero willingness to have collective accountability. What do I mean by collective accountability? I can hold myself personally accountable for my actions, right? Someone else can hold themselves collectively or accountable for their actions, right? But when I work in a team environment, when I work with other peoples, how are we holding ourselves accountable as a collective? That's what the Eagles lack. If I had to guess, and mind you, I have you know no sources inside the Eagles. This is purely speculation on my part. But based on you know having been part of teams, having led teams, um, having been put in leadership positions, I would imagine that it looks something like this: Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie is asking you what, what what's going on with the Eagles right now, man. Well, you know I put the roster together, but this is Doug's team to coach. Doug, what's going on with my team, man? Well, you know, I can coach as much as I want, but it's up to the players on the field. Well, shoot, Carson, what's going on with my team, man? Well, shoot, the players around me aren't that good. Um, you know, everybody's injured. It must be something with the training staff. Training staff, what's going on with the team? Like, you know what I mean? A lot of finger pointing, a lot of blame game, a lot of accountability dodging. I have to imagine that's what it looks like because no one seems to want to take accountable or accountability for what the Eagles have become. Nobody. And the blame ends up getting placed on Carson Wentz's shoulders because as the head coach and as the general manager, well, that's an easy scapegoat, right? That's real easy. That's the face of the franchise. Everyone's going to be looking at him. Put it on his shoulders. Takes the heat off our back real quick. All of that mess. Setting the stage for this organization to crumble from within. 
I think it's very likely that no one inside of the Philadelphia Eagles is doing enough to look in the mirror and ask themselves, what could I be doing differently? Where do I need to improve? What do I need to do? What could I be doing better? These are the questions that have to be asked. Not just, what the hell is wrong with Carson Wentz? Let me tell you all something, man. There's a new guy in the Philadelphia sports scene, 76ers head coach Doc Rivers. If you're a follower of basketball, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Last week, Doc was having his uh, his name drug through the mud a little bit by some members of his former team, the Los Angeles Clippers. They were kind of playing the blame game, putting the onus on him for the 3-1 collapse in the playoffs to the Denver Nuggets. You had players talking about how they weren't used right, how no adjustments were being made. You know, all, all the things that are kind of falling on a coach's shoulders. No one, however, was talking about how there was lack of player leadership. The lack of effort that you saw from the Clippers in the waning moments of their season. How shots were flying off the side of the backboard. How no one really looked like they knew how to play with each other. No one was talking about that. They're only talking about the stuff that Doc had control of. They made Doc Rivers the scapegoat just like the Philadelphia Eagles seem to be making Carson Wentz the scapegoat. And in response to these comments, Doc Rivers comes out, simply says, I think everybody needs to take ownership. Everybody needs to take ownership. Straight from one of the best leaders in all of sports, Doc Rivers, everybody needs to take ownership. Different situation, same principle, y'all. This atrocity of a season is not solely on Carson Wentz's shoulders. I cannot stress that enough. It's not just Carson Wentz's fault. It is partially Carson Wentz's fault. Don't get me wrong. But it's not entirely Carson Wentz's fault. This is the fault of Howie Roseman doing an inadequate job of collecting talent. This is the fault of the Eagles scouting staff not evaluating talent well enough. This is the fault of Doug Peterson not maximizing on talent that is there. This is the fault of Deuce Staley not having a great running back rotation. This is the fault of the offensive line for not allowing Carson Wentz to have more than two and a half seconds to throw the ball. Dude is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL by a significant margin. This is the fault of wide receivers not creating separation. This is the fault of the defense, who has been middling at best, egregious at worst. This is the fault of the training staff, who year in and year out, they allow this team consistently to be in perpetual injury hell. This is on everybody. Everyone. What we are witnessing in Philadelphia right now is the failure of an entire organization. Not just Carson Wentz, but the failure of an entire organization. That is the cruel, ugly, pitiful truth. The failure of an entire organization. And throwing Jalen Hurts into the fire against the Saints next week? That's not going to change a damn thing. What you're going to see from Jalen Hurts, especially against that Saints defense, it's probably going to get ugly. It's probably going to get very ugly very fast. And if nothing else, 
I hope that this ass whooping that the, the Eagles get next week at least sheds light on the fact that it's not just Carson Wentz. That the problem isn't solely on the back of the quarterback. That Carson Wentz isn't the Philadelphia Eagles problem. That the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles are the Philadelphia Eagles problem. Wake the fuck up, man. I'm out. Jokey B.